So um, last week, we, uh, we kicked off the year up here, kicked off a new series called Let the Movement Begin. And um, last week was pretty amazing to, to see. I know when I got up here last week, there were people sitting on the floor, people standing up against the wall. Uh, in fact, I don't know if you guys heard, but we ended up last week, there were 341 people that packed into this room. Which is pretty amazing, and it's, and it's amazing, and not that we pat ourselves on the back or any of that kind of stuff, but it's, it's, a, it's a chance for us to celebrate the fact that is the, the most that we've ever had in the history of this church that have come into this room, 341 people, and, uh, and that's amazing, and I mean, I can't help but think the fact that we're talking about let the movement begin, and, and we're, we're seeing students like that show up. Um, that many students that are packing in this room. So maybe this is your first time, and uh, you weren't here last week, and we're glad you guys are here. Maybe this is your second time back. Maybe this, you've been coming for the last few years, whatever. But, uh, but I love the fact that you guys are here, and um, no matter where you're at spiritually, no matter what's going on in your life right now, uh, I believe that God has something to say to us tonight uh, if he hasn't already, and I believe that he has. So um, this whole series, Let the Movement Begin, really is about a movement. And uh, what I believe that we are on the verge of seeing and praying for and believing in faith, that we are on the verge of seeing a movement of God in this community. And, um, and it's amazing the fact that this is a movement that's about God, but yet God allows you and me to be a part of it. Not because we're gifted or because we're cool enough or whatever, but just simply because of his goodness, he allows you and me to be a part of a movement. And we said last week that this is not a movement about us. This is a movement of, in particular, life transformation. What this is all about are, is to see more stories like what we just saw with Lehman Stories of you guys who may have walked in this room months ago or even years ago, or maybe you just showed up tonight, and you were broken and hurting and lost, and you fi- felt like there was no hope and there was no purpose for your life, or maybe you were just going through situations in your life where you thought, man, is there anyone or anything that can do anything for me? And come smack face to face with the God who created us, who loves us, who created everything, and who desires to take our broken, messed up, screwed up life full of sin and and darkness and to shine his glorious light in us and to turn our life around to where we are never the same again. And so I believe that there are stories in this room, maybe that have yet to be told, of stories just like Lemonique's, that in the months and weeks and, and even years to come, that God's gonna tell those stories. And so that's exciting to be a part of. Last week, if you weren't here with us, uh, we, we, we gave kind of a phrase that we said, hey, this is gonna be a phrase not just for this series, but this is gonna be a phrase that we talk about all year long. And it was four things that describe what this movement was about. We said this is a movement with God at the center, with God in the lead, with dependence on God, and with the results left up to God. All right, and you guys said it so passionately at the end of the service. I mean, you were locked in. It was like you believed it with everything, every part of who you were. But that's what, that's the, the phrase or whatever. So if you go home, you know, you write it on your forehead or you write it, you know, in, on your mirror or you write it in a journal or you write it on your Bible or you write it on, across your, your, you know, your notebooks in, in school when you're not paying attention in chemistry class, whatever. But that this be something that we say all year long, God, this is what we're praying for. 
We're not just talking about this for one or two weeks and then moving on. God, this is what we're praying for. God, this is about you. This is about about you being at the center, about you leading us and guiding us, about us depending on your strength and your power to accomplish these incredible things. And ultimately, we leaving whatever the results are up to you. God, whatever, you, whatever it is that you do, God, we're trusting you. We just want to be a part of it. We want to we watch. We want to be on the front lines. God, start it in us. So that's what we talked about last week. Now, that key word again, movement. Um, we, we threw out this definition last week of what a movement is. It's a series of actions or activities intended or tending toward a particular end. All right, it's a series of actions or activities with an end goal in mind. We want to accomplish something, all right, which in this case is about, again, life transformation. That's what we want. We want God to show up and to transform our hearts and the lives of those around us. Now, what we didn't talk so much about last week were those first couple of words in that definition. A series of actions or activities. Maybe there were some of you guys last week or even tonight, they're like, man, I, I wanna be a part of this movement. Man, sign me up. This sounds amazing. This would be pretty cool. I've never been a part of something like that before. So count me in. And then we feel like, all right, starting today, I'm gonna start a movement. But the truth is, what we have to understand is that nobody wakes up one day and just single-handedly starts a movement in one day. It's not one person that just makes one big decision like that and all of a sudden, poof, it happens. This is a series of actions or activities. This is stuff that takes, this big decision of a movement of God is the result of these small decisions that we make every single day. It's when we make those little decisions, those decisions sometimes on a daily basis that we feel like, man, does this even matter? Does this really have any, any significance or any consequence to what, what, what's going on? Does this little decision that I make, does it really impact something long term? That it's all of those little decisions that not just we ourselves make, but a group of people make. Those little decisions every single day that ultimately lead to that particular end of experiencing a movement of God. I know that there is a little bit of of a mindset in this culture of kind of that live in the moment mentality. That, hey, I'm not going to worry about five years from now. I'm not going to worry about what this decision is going to cost me. I'm just going to enjoy this moment. I'm going to do everything I want to do right here and right now, and I'm going to have as much fun as I possibly can, and I don't really care what happens later on. I'm not going to give any thought to that. It's not going to really have any bearing on on the future or whatever. I'm just going to live in the moment. And maybe a lot of us feel that way sometimes. We make decisions based on that mentality. And the, the difficult thing is, or the, the, the danger with that mentality, is that sometimes, a lot of times, the little decisions that we make every single day impact us long term. In fact, if you want to write this, this down, this is in your notes. The daily decisions that you make determine the course that you're on. Those daily decisions, those things that you feel like don't really matter all that much, those decisions that you make on a continuous basis every single day, they determine the course that you're on. And that course that you're on is going to lead you to a destination. And so the decisions that we make every single day, they do matter. And so for us, if the end result is a movement of God, that's the, that's the big thing that we want to see then what we've got to be willing to do is focus on those little decisions that we make every single day. 
Now, some of you guys are like, hey, so how do I do that? What does this look like? If I want to be a part of a movement of God, what is, what's required of me? What do I need to do? And so over the next few weeks, what we're going to do is talk about specific areas or those little decisions that we can make on a daily basis that are going to impact the big idea of a movement of God. All right? So it is those little decisions, and that's what we're going to talk about. Now, as we get started, what, the first thing we've got to understand is this. Before the movement can happen in our community, it has to happen in our hearts. Before the movement of God is going to happen out there, outside of these walls or outside of people around us, it's got to happen in us first. We can be praying for a movement of God in our school, but if it doesn't start in our own hearts, then it's not going to matter. We can be praying for God to show up in a radical way in the lives of our our family, maybe because it's broken or we look at our family situation and it's jacked up at the moment. And so we pray for a movement of God. We pray for God's presence to show up. We want God to do something significant. But if we don't focus first and foremost on that starting in our heart, then it's never gonna take effect on the lives and the hearts of those around us. So in order for us to experience a movement of God in our community, we first gotta experience that movement in our heart. How many of you guys have ever come across uh, a TV show that you guys stumbled across it, maybe you, you picked up the pilot episode, or maybe you just picked up you know, two seasons in, and immediately you loved it, like it was, man, the, this is the best show I've ever seen. How many of you guys can think automatically of a show that you got into that immediately, and you don't have to throw it out, you guys can't wait to share it. So whatever, all right, hold on, just think about it. That TV show that you thought, man, this is the greatest show I've ever seen, all right? And if you say Kardashians, I'm going to have to come out there and hurt you. Um, hate that show. But whatever it is, all right, that show that you're like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. I've never seen anything greater in my whole entire life. And so you are immediately hooked. Listen, you're immediately hooked. So you're watching every episode, or maybe all of a sudden it turns into you're pulling all-nighters on Netflix because, you know, you've stumbled across this show and you just can't put it down. So it doesn't matter that it's four in the morning and you've got school in a couple of hours, you're watching another episode, right? A couple years ago, my wife and I um, experienced that with the show Prison Break. And um, I don't know if you guys have seen that. We never, we never watched it when it was actually on TV, but... Um, but some friends of ours said, hey, here's the first four seasons of this, or the only four seasons of this show. And so they gave us like this stack of DVDs. And so one night, I think we were just bored. There was nothing else on. So we were like, well, let's, let's throw this in. And immediately from that first episode, we were hooked to the point that it was, come on, honey, let's watch another one, you know? And we couldn't wait to put the kids to bed because we wanted to, you know, bunker down and start watching this, this show. And so all of a sudden, it became one of those things where, all right, sweater, it's, it's two in the morning. Um, I got to work tomorrow. Kids are going to be up in a few hours. But come on, we, we, can do, we can do one more. Just one more episode. We can't leave it hanging like this. We got to find out what happened next. You're that kind of a thing. What I believe God's heart is for us is that we would feel and desire him the same way. We would want that. We would have that longing. We would maybe at some point in our life, we discover a little bit about who God is. And, and maybe it's, 
uh, something that we hear in a message. Maybe it's we show up at Reckless one night. Maybe it's we open up our Bible and we read a verse. Or maybe it's a, a friend speaks some word of truth into our lives. And it's something that we've never ho- heard before. But immediately we're hooked. And all of a sudden we, we find ourselves where we can't get enough of who God is. We're learning and growing and we're discovering more about God's love for us and God's plan for us. And we're all of a sudden being overwhelmed with the understanding that there is a God not just out there who cares about us and might know our name, but all of a sudden there is a God who has created us to have a relationship with him. And we're starting to discover, man, God, you you love me not just, you know, when I do what's right or whatever, but God, your love is unconditional. God, your grace is so incredible that it reaches to the darkest parts of who I am. Where we feel like maybe, maybe I've got no purpose or I've got no significance, that all of a sudden we're starting to understand that God has created us with such incredible purpose and meaning and significance to the point that we can't put him down, so to speak. Listen to what The prophet Jeremiah says in uh, chapter 15, verse 16, he says, when I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God of heaven's armies. Man, we could spend like 30 minutes or an hour just unpacking that verse and all the incredible truth that's in that. But I I love that that mindset and that heart attitude. God, there is nothing like you God, I may have, have had these misconceptions about who you are, but God, I'm starting to discover that there is so much more to you than I've ever understood before. And God, the more I understand, the more I desire. God, I just want to know you more. God, I'm, I, I'm devouring your words. God, I, th- this is the only thing that I want. That that's what God desires for your heart and for my heart to be when it comes to him. A... Uh, Last week, my wife and I celebrated 13 years of marriage, which, yeah, which is a, a miracle for me in and of itself. But, um, so last week we had 13 years. Where is, where is Angie? She's going to hate me. Right over there. Stand up. She's going to hate me even more. Come on, stand up. You can kill me later. Look at that girl. Mm. She's so fine. So, so last week, 13 years of marriage, we had, um, we dated for three years. So I, I met her when I was 19. She was 18. We had no clue what we were getting ourselves into. And it's, it really is amazing to, to look back as we've just celebrated, you know, 16 years being together and having no idea what, what we were up against or what, what was in store for us. You know, we, we met each other, you know, it was cool, but, you know, it, in that moment, I mean, I've even got a, a picture that I'll probably throw out uh, next week that was the, we had literally just met as that, as that picture was taken. And it's just cool to look at that and go, man, we had no idea what was in store for us. And having kids and God just being faithful and blessing that relationship. But when I was, um, not too long ago, I, I came across this, this box, this shoe box. And, um, and in it, are, um, are all these letters. And um, these are a lot of the letters that w- her and I wrote each other when we were dating. I know, it's so amazing. 
I know, all you, all you girls are locked into this. Don't smack in your boyfriend like, see, that could be us one day. We're meant to be, you know. All right, so don't, hold on, come back to me. Don't use this as an opportunity to pick up the person next to you. Listen. So these, these are a lot of the letters that we wrote each other in, in those first few months that we were getting to know each other. And, um, and it's cool, again, it's cool to look back on those kind of things and just, you know, laugh together and, and remember, you know, stories of her going, man, I, I remember that, those first few months, like, you know, we didn't email each other, we didn't text each other, like, we wrote each other letters. And, and just thinking about, you know, her saying, man, I remember every, every day literally running to the mailbox and couldn't wait till the mailman got there to see, hey, did, did Todd send me a letter today? Um, and how, you know, just ripping it open and looking through it and going, man, this is, you know, hanging on every word. You know, for me, looking at this and going, man, God, I, I, that summer, I remember, you know, um, saying, hey, I got, I got a letter today and just being so excited to know, man, what, what is she going to write me? What does she want to tell me about her life and about who she is? And uh, it's just cool. What am I doing? I'm not, I'm not reading this stuff to you. This is none of your business. None of your business. But... Don't, uh, don't try to sneak these either. But it's, it's been funny to, to look at because, man, it's sappy and it's romantic. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm an idiot. Like, what was, I, what was I even talking about? And yet, it's the, it, it was that mindset early on in the relationship where we're hanging on every word that the other person is saying. You know, where we couldn't, th- these letters were full of information about who we were, about you know, there was so much that I learned about her heart, about what she liked, what she didn't like, about who she was. I mean, there were so many of those kind of things that now we're able to look back 16 years later and just say, man, that's cool. There's so much that I learned because I took the time not only to, to write those letters, but to read the letters that she was sending my way. Now, you guys know where I'm, where I'm going with this. God has done the same thing for us. God has written us an incredible letter, a a love letter that he wants us to understand who he is. That he wants us to understand his heart, his character, the things that he loves, the things that he's all about, the things that we've got to be careful of. I mean, all of it is wrapped up into this. That God desperately wants us to grab a hold of and to devour like Jeremiah says. And here's the thing that I think we've got to understand. This isn't a, a, a letter that we're getting to know about some guy or girl that may or may not work out one day. This is a letter that we are reading about the heart of the creator of the universe We have an opportunity to learn about the God who created us, who loved us, who made us with purpose. The God who loved us so much that he wasn't willing to just leave us lost and alone in our sins, but came down and rescued us through Jesus' death on the cross. The God that, 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 like we sang about before, that there is no other name that compares to this. 
This isn't just some sappy love letter by some relationship that may or may not work out. This is God the creator, the one who desperately wants us to know his heart and to understand how much he loves us and his plan for our lives. Here's the problem for so many of us. We don't know anything about him. For so many of us, we don't know anything about God because we never spend any time with God. I mean, imagine if, if those first few months or whatever that, that Angie and I had been dating and you know, I came home every day and it was like, hey, I got another letter. And I said, man, that's cool that she, she decided to write me. And I walked upstairs and I tossed it on, on the dresser in my room and I never opened it up. And over the course of those next few months, as each letter came, I just picked it up and, oh, that's so cool that she wrote, that she wrote me. Man, that's, I just got some great stuff in it. And I tossed it. And, and before, over the next few months, there's a stack of letters that she has written to me that holds such incredible uh, knowledge about who she is, her heart for me, her desires, and all this kind of stuff. And I don't even have the time to open them up and read them. And that's where so many of us stand when it comes to our own relationship with Jesus. Man, we go, oh, God, I know you've got great plans for my life. That's awesome. And I'll get to that one day. Man, God, I know that you love me. I know we sing songs about it. Man, that's so cool. God, I'll get to that one day. And we keep tossing them aside, and we never pick them up and understand all the incredible truth that God has written to us that if we would just take the time to open it up, we would learn and discover so much about God that would blow our mind, that it would completely change our mindset and our understanding about our life and about our future and about everything that describes who God is. And the problem is, is that so many of us know so little about God. And so therefore, we've got all these misconceptions. Man, God, you hate me. God, you're out to get me. We don't really understand that God has come not only to redeem us, but also to empower us to live radically different lives. And here's the thing. If we don't know anything about God, how can we lead a movement in our community and tell other people that don't know God? How can we be on the front lines? How can we lead this movement? How can we say, man, God, count me in. I want to see this movement if we don't know anything about God. See, for you and me, we can't be leading a movement of God if we don't know the God that this movement is about. It's got to start in us. It has to start in us where, where we in this room start taking our faith seriously. We don't play a game. We don't kind of go through the motions. But we decide that there is going to be nothing more important in my life today than that I seek the heart and the face of God. That our greatest desire and our heart's greatest delight is that we would know God. In the Old Testament, God's chosen people, Israel, decides in their 
kind of in, in their mind that, that God's not worth it. And so they, they abandon God and they choose to do their own thing and blaze their own trail and, and make, make decisions based on what's in it for them and what's in their best interest. And as a result, it led to their destruction as a nation. And here's what God says through the prophet Hosea in Hosea 4.6. Don't miss this. He says, my people are being destroyed because they don't know me. What destroyed the people of Israel wasn't an enemy country. It wasn't the problems that they were up against. It wasn't anything else like that. What destroyed the country of Israel and the nation and the people of Israel is the fact that they didn't know God. They determined in their mind that God wasn't worth it. That they, they could determine what was in their best interest. They could make their own plans. They could decide for themselves what they wanted to do. That they didn't have to listen to God and know God. They determined that they didn't trust him, that they didn't want to seek him. They didn't want to grow in knowledge about him. And the result was their destruction. And I can't help but wonder how many of us in the room are the same way. Maybe we look at, at problems or situations that are going on in our, in our family. Maybe in other relationships that we're going through. Maybe there's, there's situations that we're dealing with on our school campus or in our personal life. Or there's things that, that issues or problems that we're coming up against. And because we don't know who God is and we don't trust him, we're negatively impacted. The main issue is not those problems that we're up against because all of us will go through situations like that. All of us will experience hardships. We'll experience suffering. We will go through painful moments. None of us are exempt from that. And it's not those things in, them, in and of themselves that destroy us. What destroys us is the fact that when those moments come, we don't know and trust the heart of God. We don't know who God is. We don't know what he says about it. We don't know why those problems exist. And so we, what happens is we start becoming susceptible to the lies that the enemy is telling us every single day. And God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about your life. God doesn't have a plan for you. Man, this is God's fault. God could have stopped this and he didn't. All of those lies that we allow ourselves to buy into come as a result because quite honestly, we don't know what God's heart is. We don't know who he is or what he says. And because of that, the result is we end up experiencing destruction in our life. When, uh, when our kids were younger, um, f- feeding time was always fun. And, uh, and I say that fun, fun very loosely. So, you know, when, if, maybe you've got a younger a toddler brother and sister or whatever, uh, or a little baby brother or sister or you babysit somebody that does, or you've ever seen a baby. Um, this, is, this is what ends up happening. You know, you, you sit down at the dinner table, and, you know, you've got this jar of nastiness that you are trying to feed him or her, and, you know, it ends up all over the walls and ends up them spitting it back out or whatever. But I remember when our kids were younger, and they started, you know, you, they were getting fussy, and you could tell, all right, we want to eat now. And so we would sit them down, and, and they knew that it was coming. And so it never failed that they would all of a sudden look up at, at either myself or Angie, and they would go. 
You know, like, feed me, feed me. My mouth's open, I don't know what you're about to feed me, but I want it, so give it to me. So they hold their mouth open, and then all of a sudden, in would come carrots, and it would come back out, or, you know, it'd be something gross. Um, but I remember those times where they were dependent on myself or on Angie to feed them. Now, even to this day, at the ages of eight, six, and four, you know, my four-year-old's not going and starting to grill up and cooking chicken for all of us. Um, I would probably be arrested. Um, and so they depend on my wife, um, and I depend on my wife, honestly, to, uh, to make sure that we're well-fed. And um, so it, it hasn't really changed to this day, but that's, that's still the, the case. But I remember it, the moment where they were dependent on us to make sure that they were well-fed. Now, you fast forward a few years, imagine that, you know, my kid's now 18 or 19 years old, and he walks into where I'm at, and he says, hey, uh, hey, Dad, I'm hungry, and then he just does this. <laughs> and, um, and I would look at him like, dude, you're crazy. You know where the fridge is. You know where the kitchen is. Go feed yourself. What do, you, what do you think I am? You're 18 years old. You need to be moving out now anyway, so go do something with your life, and at least learn to feed yourself. So I would look at him like he was crazy. If he depended on me to make sure that he was well-fed, he wouldn't be well-fed. The same is true for you and me spiritually. We quite honestly need to learn to feed ourselves. God never intended for you to depend solely on me or another pastor to be the only person that feeds you spiritually. Maybe you look at, at your spiritual life and you go, you know, man, the only time that I learn about God, the only time I pick up my Bible, the only time that I learn or grow in my faith is at Reckless on a Wednesday night or maybe at Rush or something like that. And if that is, if that is true of you, then you're gonna be underfed and weak spiritually. Some of you guys, from a spiritual standpoint, you eat once a week. Some of you guys, if you're involved in a sport and you're not able to come every Wednesday night, or maybe you're hit or miss and you come once a month, you're eating once a month spiritually. And that's not healthy. That's not the way that God's intended your relationship with him to be. If, if one week I'm boring, which might happen, don't say that's true, don't say amen, but if <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but if some weeks you're like, what is Todd talking about tonight? I have no idea what he's doing. Why is he even up there? Or you're like, hey, this, what he's talking about tonight has no relevance for my life. Then you've tuned me out. And all of a sudden, there's no growth happening in your life. And just as you would never eat physically, you would never eat food once a week, you cannot eat spiritually once a week and expect to be healthy. What God's desire for you is that you would continually, every single day, just like you go to the fridge or you walk through the cafeteria line in your school and you eat that, that crap that the school feeds you, whatever it is, you, you make it a priority to eat, all right? All of us do that. You guys probably, for some of you, ate right before you came in here and you're already hungry. We eat continually. That's something that we have to do. 
And the same is true for us spiritually. If we determine that we're going to rely on somebody else to feed us spiritually, then we're going to have a pathetic, weak relationship with God. That's not what God has intended for us to experience. Now, one of the struggles with picking this up is that we have no idea where to start. We have no idea where to start. We have no idea what to read. It seems overwhelming sometimes. Do I start at the beginning? I, I read through this book called Leviticus one, one time, and I had no idea what the heck it was talking about. It had no relevance to my life. Or, you know, do I start at the back? Or where do I start? The words are so small, I can't even understand what they're even talking about because they're using all this, this foreign language. And there's so many reasons why we never pick this up. It seems confusing and overwhelming. And so this collects dust on a bookshelf, or maybe we've kind of thrown it on the floor of our car, and we never pick this up. And I get that. And what we want to be able to do this year is we want to help solve that problem. And so what we're introducing tonight and what we're going to challenge all of you guys to jump in on, we've come up with a Bible reading plan this year. And so what, what my desire and what our, our desire this year is that over the next 40 weeks, between now and the end of the school year, is that this would be a journey that we're on together. This would be something that we're doing together. And not just you guys as students, but myself, our adult uh, leaders, small group leaders, everybody, that all of us are jumping into this and we're making this a priority that they're broken up by weeks so you can read it every single day if you want to, or you can take one time throughout the week and do it. But that we make it a priority to, to solve that overwhelming idea sometimes that I don't know where to start, where to begin. We've hand-selected passages that have incredible relevance to our life, that help us understand the heart uh, of, of God, that the, the plan that he has for us, that reveals who Jesus is, all of those things so that at the end of the day, this can be a movement of us knowing God. That we're spending time in our small group, that we're doing it individually, that we're learning and growing, we're understanding. And I will make this guarantee for all of you guys. If you will make this a priority, if you will determine, I'm gonna make a little decision every single day to seek the heart of God. To say, God, would you reveal more of who you are? Would you show myself to you or show yourself to me? God, I don't really understand who you are. God, I don't really understand some of the things that we're singing about. God, I'm asking that you would reveal who you are to me. And in this little decision that we make every single day, what's going to end up happening is there are 300 plus students and adults in this room who are journeying together pressing into knowing the heart of God. And the result is gonna be not just us going, man, God, I think you could do something in my life. Man, God, I think that you're kind of powerful. God, I think that you love me. God, I don't really understand this situation or this problem, but God, I think that you might be able to do something about it. All of a sudden, we're starting to find ourselves devouring the word of God. We can't put it down. God, you're blowing my mind. God, I'm starting to understand more about who you are. God, I had so many misconceptions about who you are, and now I'm understanding the truth. And now I'm beginning to see you change my life because it's starting from my own heart. 
And as we experience this movement in our own heart, what's going to end up happening is we can't help but carry that outside of, this, of these walls, out into our homes, out into our community, into our school hallways. But it's got to start here. We will never experience a movement of God this year if we don't determine first and foremost that it's got to start in us. God, I want to know you. God, there is nothing, there is no one that compares to you. God, may I not center my life around anything else but who you are and what you desire. God, I may not understand anything right now, but God, I'm trusting that you will reveal yourself to me because you promise that you will if I will just make a small decision every single day to spend time with you. The great I am, the name above every name, there is no other, and he has made it possible for us to know him, for us to have a deep, meaningful relationship with him, the creator of the universe. There is nothing that compares to that. May we make this a priority in our life in order to experience a movement in our community.